Welcome to Step Into the Story. Incredible conversations of how the Bible changes lives, changes families, and changes communities across the globe. And here's your host, Phil Tuttle of Walk Through the Bible. Well, welcome back to Step Into the Story. This is episode five, and I am really excited about today's conversation. We're going to be with a good friend of mine by the name of Boris Volkoff. Boris serves as our regional director for Walk Through the Bible in Northern Eurasia. And um, he has had an amazing couple of months, not an easy time, a really, really, really difficult time. As we watch the figures globally for what COVID is doing and over 55 million cases globally and 1.3 million plus people have died. I don't know about you, but when I hear a number like that, I don't really know what to do with it. I can't, I can't picture a million people. Um, but when it comes down to somebody that you know, somebody that you're personally connected with, my father-in-law um, has survived COVID at age 90, but to see so many people in the assisted living facility where he is battle for their lives against this and others that I know personally, um, welcome, Boris Volkov. We want to explore your story, your experience with COVID today, and um, make it personal for us. Boris, introduce yourself and um, tell us a little about, about your family, first of all. Will you please? Sure, of course. Uh, so, as Phil already mentioned, my name is Boris, Boris Volkov. I am a national director for uh, countries of northern Eurasia in the Ministry of Walks through the Bible. I am married, uh, my wife uh, and I, we have three children, uh, one adult uh, or young adult boy, uh, his name is Eugene, and two nice daughters, Maria and Yeva. So I am 45 years old. And Boris, you are a strong guy, you're in good shape physically. Um, you and I have known each other for a while. You're doing a, a great job. You're doing work that's that's important there in a lot of the former Soviet Union countries. Um, but everything changed for you. I don't know if, if you remembered this or not. Um, somebody reminded me about this. When we had one of our regional director um, meetings via Zoom on August 13th, you gave a talk about God being your refuge. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, and it, it was it was a good talk, and and I took notes like I often do, and was like, wow, that's a really good thought. What none of us knew was less than two weeks after that, um, you would be admitted to the hospital. Um, tell us about when you first found out that um, you were positive for COVID nineteen. Not just you, but your family also. Mm-hmm. Um. First of all, let me just uh, briefly mention that uh, before I was infected uh, in late August, uh, I actually was not, you know, uh, a person, you know, thinking, you know, uh, in a way like just uh, it's uh, uh, it's uh, it's not about me. Uh, so I I was always. Uh, cautious about uh, the potential risk because in my understanding since uh, one of them of my close friends uh, died in, in, in the very initial period of COVID-19 pandemia uh, he's, uh, he was from Russia actually he died already 
so at that point, I understood and they, I realized that uh, it's a source of loteria. And uh, mm, I just don't want to play this uh, kind of uh, loteria. And, um, and yet, and yet uh, in late August, uh, it happened. So I was infected with COVID-19 and uh, after a couple of days uh, trying to control my uh, body temperature uh, at home, uh, we realized that uh, it's probably the right moment to uh, call an ambulance and uh, to be placed to the, ha- uh, to the hospital where I spent uh, since that moment, uh, 47 days. Oh, and your wife, Lilia and, and all three kids also tested positive, but, um, had less severe cases. Is that correct? Yes, correctly. Actually in the, in the very beginning, when we realized that we got infected, uh, uh my, uh, first and ultimate worry was actually about my spouse. Uh, because uh, she is uh, from the risk zone. So she had some heart issues and, you know, before anything serious uh, began uh, to grow within uh, within me, uh, my first and ultimate worry uh, was actually about her. But uh, praise God, uh, she passed through this uh, COVID-19 experience uh, much better than I did. So, Boris, 47 days in the hospital, um, much of that in intensive care. I, I know you probably have somewhat fragmented memories of that as one day, you know, no doubt kind of blurred into the next. But um, describe a little bit about your experience there in the hospital. How much of, how much of that were you even aware of? My first... Uh experience uh, was that was the moment when I realized that I cannot understand what day or what date I am in. So uh, I couldn't distinguish uh, uh, Monday from Friday. So day after day in intensive care unit uh, with uh, literally sleepless nights, uh, covered uh, 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 with uh, that uh, CPAP mask uh, on my face, uh, you know, literally couldn't sleep. And uh, because of this, I was completely lost uh, somewhere in the middle of time. But uh, uh, that was uh, just and not uh, the worst experience, uh, experience I had there. Actually... You know, when you are in uh, in intensive care unit, uh, it's it's absolutely natural for any human being uh, to expect uh, better outcomes. And uh, I remember that you know, trying to reinforce my own expectations on uh, healing uh, in that intensive care unit, I asked my uh, doctor, uh, oh, doctor, please tell me, am I going to survive or not? And 
honestly, I was expecting to to hear something like, "Hey, dude, uh, what's the question?" Absolutely, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna survive, hundred uh, percent. But when he replied, "I don't know," that was a special moment for me because at that point I understood that it's not about his competence. It's not about uh, is he doing or they are doing all that they can do or not. It was about uh, my condition and how my body reacts all the treatments they do. And uh, since I had uh, an oxygen uh, saturation monitor right in front of me, and since I saw that uh, day after day it uh, falls down, uh, since I I had already experienced when uh, when you're on a level like 60 or 65 percent of saturation uh, of oxygen, uh, when you have the only thought, oh Lord, please plus one more percent, one more more percent. Wow. Please, Lord, please, Lord. Wow. And unless you uh, reach the level of uh, at least 40% at that point of time, uh, the only thought was, please, one more percent. And when my doctor uh, said that I don't know, and when I realized that uh, I still have quite an affordable luxury to have no, pretty good for my uh, general condition saturation, like uh, between 80 and 90% of oxygen saturation, I realized that uh, maybe it's uh, going to be the last uh, chance for me to share something really important with uh, my family, with my wife, with my children. And I decided that... I don't know what what uh, what a potential outcome of my staying there in ICU, and especially because I had, uh, you know, in that ICU I was not the only person. Actually, I was one of five persons there, and uh, since I saw already people uh, dying uh, on, uh, on a bed uh, next to me. Uh, I understood uh, that uh, I can be potentially next. And uh, when I realized mm. that, um, I began to concentrate my thoughts in something uh, special uh, and important uh, for my family in general and to each single family member, to my wife and to each of my uh, children. I know as my wife was in daily contact with your wife, Lilia, the, the fact that she could not visit you, she couldn't see you, um, whenever communication was possible, that just meant the world to Lilia to hear from you. Um, and yet, in many ways, you were, you were possibly saying goodbye, and that, that deeply troubled her. And so, you know, that was a, 
there were some very low days in there. Eventually, um, they believed that you would likely not make it. They may or may not have told you that, probably didn't, but that was the message that came from your doctor to Lilia, that it was, um, it was unlikely you were going to survive. And um, through all of this time, I have, I have never seen personally the world unite on praying for an individual, the global network through walk through the Bible, but also through your family and the, all the people, you know, there, um, I know that that was, um, that was something that even made an impression on your doctor and you were blessed to be in the best COVID hospital in Kiev, in Ukraine. Um, and you had a doctor who really was committed. Talk about your doctor for a minute, will you please? Well, sure. As I mentioned already, one of my experiences with my doctor was experience when I asked him if I'm going to survive or not. And my expectation was encouragement for, from him. But I really appreciate that uh, despite of my expectation, he was honest. And uh, that sort of honesty from him was very important for me to put together my, let's say, final thoughts on one hand. On the other hand, uh, I really appreciate that, uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, any physician uh, dealing with uh, different diseases uh, has uh, protocols uh, or structure of, you know, uh, treatment uh, process. And uh, since uh, that protocol was already implemented towards me, no, and uh, since my uh, condition was uh, not uh, improving uh, to better, uh, I appreciate his ability to to step onto thin eyes. Um, mm -hmm. to see something between lines uh, of that uh, protocol. I even appreciate that he was uh, available for God because uh, in the morning uh, when uh, a decision regarding next steps, uh, should I be uh, connected to extracorporeal uh, 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 membrane oxygenation or oxygenation or not. I know that the group of uh, uh, pastors were praying particularly about that uh, specific issue, you know, not really related to <laughs> pastor's work. Uh, but uh, they were praying for him so that he could be available for right uh, decision coming from Lord. And uh, the fact that I'm still alive uh, is, uh, is the fact which I interpret that he was available. And of course, he, mm -hmm. he is young. He is uh, much younger than I am. Uh, and when I uh, had shown a photo of him in a group of other uh, doctors and asked my wife, uh, would you recognize my uh, doctor? Because she never saw him in person or on any photo, uh, I asked her if she would be able to recognize him uh, or define 
Simona Foda. Uh, she had a number of attempts uh, before she finally managed to point on the correct person. She is young, and yet she is a great professional. And um, I also remember one uh, situation, maybe an extra story, but I will try to uh, deliver it uh, briefly. Um, uh, in the middle of night, I uh, woke uh, and uh, realizing that uh, somebody staying next to me. When I opened my eyes, I saw my physician and uh, I asked him, Captain, uh, is everything going well or not? And he said, you know, the pressure in the oxygen system here in the hospital significantly uh, uh, dropped down. And I'm here to check if uh, our patients are okay. Uh, it was in the middle of night, like two uh, o'clock. Uh, so I appreciate that uh, my doctor was so you know, compassionate and really caring mm -hmm. uh, for me, the person who was you know, given into his hands in that very special period of my life. I know at one point we heard he went five days and nights without leaving the hospital and going home. And uh, he's one of the heroes of, of this story, to be sure. You were receiving not just physical um, help through this, but also spiritual help. And um, one of the things that happened early on was your fellow regional directors who have the same role you have, but in other parts of the world, all different time zones, they made a commitment to um, every day send you scriptures that might be an encouragement. And through the WhatsApp uh, chat group that we have, I was just amazed at not just the scriptures were shared, but then comments about those. Um, what kind of impact, what difference did that make to you uh, I know there are sometimes you were more aware than others, but what impact did the scriptures have on you in this battle? Of course, you know, uh, I should I should acknowledge that fact uh, that you know, uh, despite the many years uh, of my following Lord Jesus, when it became became so hard. I'm kind of re rediscovered uh, my relationships with Lord, and one of the key roles which was played by the group of uh, my international colleagues was to to direct me to uh, this reevaluation, uh, redefining, rediscovering of uh, close relationships with God, with uh, complete trust on Him, with uh, His sovereignty. You know, if I would uh, be asked, you know, to share uh, a sermon uh, two weeks before I was uh, placed there in the hospital, I would definitely manage uh, to compose good sermon on uh, God's sovereignty, for example. But on that period of time, when you go through the valley of shade, 
uh, Valley of the Shadow of Death. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it is very important uh, to receive that, you know, lights, lights on, on the way. You know, uh, one of, of uh, the observations after COVID-19 experience uh, was uh, uh, I couldn't uh, read uh, because my eyesight uh, significantly uh, became not, not, not good. And uh, since uh, WhatsApp one of, was one of the programs uh, which uh, I was able to uh, increase size of uh, messages, now that was one of the uh, ways for me to receive word of God uh, when it is interpret, uh, interpreted, when it is hmm. sort of you know, targeted and sharpened or shaped for the situation I'm in the middle of. Hmm. I know there were dozens, probably hundreds of messages and passages that were shared with you. Is there, is there one, one verse, one passage that God's spirit just made roll over in your mind and you thought about frequently during that time in the hospital? <laughs> You're going to laugh, Phil, but I remember uh, uh, it was a period when our colleague from South Africa, Lee, uh, was reading a book of Acts. Yeah. And I remember when he sent a note about Paul, he was, uh, when Paul was uh, uh, escaping from the city, from the wall, in a basket. You remember that? I do. Mm-hmm. And I remember that uh, Lee just simply said, Boris, you're going to escape the situation you are now in. Just like Paul, <laughs> just do it, escape from it. And, you know, it's funny, but, you know, in a, even in the middle of uh, that uh, volley uh, of shadow, uh, that, that shadow, you know, sometimes it is uh, important to have uh, uh, such uh, vi- visualizations. Uh, yep, he gave you was, a picture, didn't he? That's, yeah. We absolutely, all felt absolutely. that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's so good. Um, eventually, you were able to move out of ICU and were moved to um, kind of a, a different place for where you would receive some therapy. And um, I saw a short video of Lilia sneaking behind the door of the ambulance and giving you what was no doubt an unauthorized illegal hug. Um, but do you remember that? Because up to that point, she had only seen you once. And that was when she stood up on a ladder to look in your window and, and you could see each other. But that's, this is the first time, even though the whole video lasted maybe 15 seconds. What did that mean to you? I just remember that, uh, before that meeting, uh, I managed already to read through, uh, different uh, messages or prayer requests she shared with other people. And I realized that uh, the real hero of this story is actually my wife. And mm. uh, when I first met her, uh, when I was pulled out from that uh, ambulance car, car, actually I began to fly. I literally began to cry and say thank you. 
thank you. Thank you for being such a hero for my children. Thank you for being such a hero for me. Thank you for being so great communicator uh, about my condition to our prayer partners. Um, thank you. I, I really was thankfully crying. Hmm. Yeah, she, um, not in a fake kind of magic Christian cliches, but with a deep faith that sustained her and um, even times when you were struggling to believe uh, she would transfuse your faith with, with her faith. And uh, she is a, you know, she doesn't know English anywhere near as much as you did. And so a lot of it is going back and forth with translation and yet her deep faith crossed all language barriers. And uh, I, I can't wait until we can see both of you face to face again. Um, you know, you now, you've got some residual effects. There's no doubt some pretty severe lung damage, oxygen at night, continued therapy, and um, we're continuing to pray for full recovery. Um, but you will and already are resuming um, some of your ministry. Um, talk about, I mean, how will this change you and your ministry going forward? What are you what are you so excited about to be alive? Because at one point you had to open your hands with that and say, God, my future is in your hands. I mean, it is for all of us every day, but you came face to face with it. Um, what are you excited to live for now? Um, it's a sort of understanding that it is understanding that I am entrusted another chance, another chance. It is about uh, being living testimony or uh, witness of God's uh, goodness. It is about uh, how God uh, broadens the scale of the ministry because of the situation you went through. Because so many people uh, reacted on the prayer requests uh, from the from Ukraine, from the countries of Northern Eurasia, countries of former Soviet Union, so that uh, they often were uh, asking my colleagues from Works with the Bible, how is your colleague doing? And while they were dealing with my colleagues, they were also talking about uh, what ministry you are doing, so what you are for in this uh, world. And it helped, it helped to establish new and good relationships. And uh, for me, since I'm resuming from uh, that disease uh, at this point, it's a it's a challenge to to, uh, to develop this uh, good and growing network. When uh, God gave me some more field, you know, to work, and uh, and because God uh, gave me this uh, this another chance, sec- second chance. Mm. Boris, you and I have known each other for a long time, and it's it's uh, difficult for me to imagine 
you being more passionate in your ministry than the Boris I've known for years. And yet I believe that's exactly what's going to be the case because um, you now have an even deeper experience with the Lord and his word than you've ever had. And, and now, just like you said, God's given you a broader, a broader sphere of influence for that. And, um, and we prayed and God doesn't always answer the way that we ask him to, but in this case, he spared your life. And um, we're continuing to trust that he will raise you up to full strength because you have a message, not just your story with COVID. That's just the circumstances. The real story is your story intersecting with God's story. Um, That's why we created this podcast in the first place, um, because this is what God delights in when our story and his story come together. And I just thank you for sharing your experience with us today. And um, I believe your experience, um, even through this podcast, is going to motivate a lot of people to take a fresh look at the scriptures, um, because it's not a book of ancient history. It's a very practical book right now for whatever issues we're struggling with today. So, Boris, I love you, my brother, and um, we will continue praying for you and Lilia and Eugene and Yeva and Maria, um, that God would continue to do his awesome work in your life. I love you, my friend. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Um, thank you. Wow, what an amazing story today um, from Boris Volkov. And uh, I cannot imagine trying to share that me talking in Russian. Um, he's, he did an amazing job, not even in his first language, conveying the emotion and the struggle, but also the joy and the triumph of that. You know, each time that we gather here on Step Into the Story, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to talk about one person's story and how their story was intersected by God's story. And uh, you heard that beautifully described by Boris, just the role that Scripture had in his healing. And that's the invitation of God to us that whatever need we have, if it's on our mind, it's already on his heart. And if it's on his heart, it's somewhere in his word called the Bible. And that's why we exist as a ministry. If you're looking for help with anything like that, I'd encourage you to just check us out at walkthrough.org. And um, I would love to hear from you. You can email me just phil at walkthrough.org, and that's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. And um, we'll do our best to respond to you and direct you where in the scriptures you can find the most help. Um, if you're finding these conversations beneficial, um, please leave a review on whatever, uh, wherever you're receiving your podcasts and encourage your friends to join us in this adventure. There's a new episode every other Tuesday. And um, look forward to the next conversation that we have together on Step Into the Story. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us for the Step Into the Story podcast, powered by Walk Through the Bible. We'd love to hear what you think by giving us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also, don't miss a single episode by clicking the subscribe button. If you'd like more resources to help you explore and live God's word in your daily life, visit walkthrough.org. That's W-A-L-K-T-H-R-U dot O-R-G. Walk through the Bible. 
Take a walk, change the world 